first time I read the book of Job, I thought to myself, why is this in the Bible? You know, like, why is this here? But then as I've read more and I've lived more of life, what I realized is that we all have questions of why. And the sufficient answer that the Bible gives, whether it's sufficient for you or not, is actually up to you, is that even when you don't know why, you can trust that God is good. Everyone has why questions. Why did someone die? Why is the world the way it is? And many more on which the Bible is silent with answers. This isn't new. People throughout history have wondered why. Today, Pastor Daniel will be reminding you that you probably aren't going to get an answer. That may seem discouraging, but remember, God knows why. He's always in control. His plan is forever perfect. You can trust God. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 9 as he begins his message, God Knows Why. So there's no doubt that the why questions in life are the ones that are the most problematic, right? When something goes on and you just say, but why? Like, why does that have to happen? I mean, this happened for me in a really uh, pronounced way, November 21st, 2012, when I was driving. I was actually uh, getting gas. And right before I went to turn my car off to get gas, I heard over the news that they were discontinuing making Twinkies. <laughs> and I said, why? I, I, I couldn't even, fa- I mean... Who in their right mind? I mean, we all know that the greatest American inventor was James Dewar, 1930 in his kitchen, putting that flour and sugar and cream, putting it together. That's the guy who invented the Twinkies. Write it down. (laughs) Impress your friends. But, I mean, it was just, I remember I drove around you know, I was in Salmon Creek at the time here in Clark County, and I was driving around. I went to every store to try and find some boxes. Because I figured if I could buy like 10 boxes, they wouldn't go bad before I ate them all anyway. So, you know, but I couldn't find them anywhere. Now, sure enough, you know, because God is a God of redemption in July of 2013, not only did they start making them again, but now you have Twinkie ice cream. Have you ever had that? Do it. <laughs> so good. But I remember growing up that we, you know, my family would say things like, no one understands why. No one understands why. And I remember growing up, because certain things that go on and like, I'm being, you know, half joking about Twinkies. But, you know, when things go down, you say to yourself, like, who knows why this happens? You know, just, I was spent some time this week with Pastor Bob McGregor of City Harvest Church here in our community. And just a couple weeks back, his 24-year-old son-in-law you know, married, father of a, a couple small kids, came out of a pool and, and had a brain aneurysm and passed away, you know? And then you say to yourself, why? You know, just a young man, young family, you know? And then you start 
asking those questions in your own life. Things that go on that you're like, why? Why did that have to happen? Right? And I think for all of us, we have our own versions of that. You know? And for some of us, those whys are, they become things that you almost don't ever get past. Now, what's hard is, of course, is that when the, the questions of why, what I have learned is that oftentimes they never sufficiently get answered. I mean, they're answered, but not sufficient for us. And if you don't believe me, just read the book of Job. You know, in the story of Job's life in the Bible, most people say that Job is the oldest, one of the oldest books written in your Bible. Job loses everything in a succession of calamities. And then his friends come and they're trying to figure out why. And then ultimately God shows up and doesn't actually tell Job why. He just says, Job, guess what? You're not God and you can't understand. That's what God effectively tells him. He's like, you don't have the capacity to understand. And right there, I remember the first time I read the book of Job, I thought to myself, why is this in the Bible? You know, like, why is this here? But then as I've read more and I've lived more of life, what I realize is that we all have questions of why. And the sufficient answer that the Bible gives, whether it's sufficient for you or not, is actually up to you, is that even when you don't know why, you can trust that God is good. And in a lot of ways, that is the answer that nobody wants, but that is the biblical answer. You walk by faith and not by sight. You choose to make a decision, given all the evidence, and say, I'm going to trust God even when I don't know why, even when God isn't answering it to my the ways that I want it to be answered. And in a lot of ways, where we are in this plot twist series, that's where the Apostle Paul is landing as well. He's landing with a simple reality that when it comes to the why question, God knows why. And God's purposes, he may not explain in ways that we think are sufficient. And so in some ways today, we're going to be kind of swimming in the deep end of the pool, so to speak. Now, I realize that there are some of us, you like swim in the deep end of the pool. That's my jam, right? You want, you want to tread water forever. And so praise God, you're going to love this. For others of you, you're like, I don't want to be in the deep end of the pool. I'll throw you a floaty as we go. Okay, so we'll do this together. So open up in your Bibles, Romans chapter 9, verses 19 to 33. Romans 9, verses 19 to 33, there in your Bibles. So I want to pull that. I want you to read along. We're going to be taking a, you know, a pretty serious section of Scripture. I want you to be able to read along. And of course, because we live in a digital world and we are digital girls, um, that's an update on a Madonna reference. And boys, we're digital people. Uh, you could turn on your Bible as well. Turn on uh, your smart device, your phone, if you like to read along with that. Romans chapter 9. So it says this, if we pick up in uh, verse 19, it says, You will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who has resisted his will? But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why does, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel of honor 
and another for dishonor? Now, if you, if you recall, if you were with us in our last message, we started seeing that God's purpose is not what you would think it would be, and that we kept seeing how God prioritizes certain people over certain other people. Like in God's choosing of the children of Israel, God chose Isaac over Ishmael. God chose Jacob instead of Esau. And then God chose to have mercy on the children of Israel, but not have mercy on Pharaoh. And so Paul brings the next logical question. You know, and in verse 19, he says, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? It's saying if God makes these choices, then how can God hold someone responsible? Because God's making these choices. And if God makes the choice, no one can resist that. So how can God be good in the midst of this? You know, and, and that's really the way the, the question goes as we, and we talked about this a bit previously about the intersection of God's sovereignty, God making choices, and then humans' responsibility. How does that land together? And people all the time say, well, if God sovereignly makes choices apart from what we want, then how can God hold us accountable for these things? How can God judge us for these things? Right? So it's a normal question. And if you spend time thinking about it, you kind of land there. But Paul's response is kind of a unique one. And notice what he says here. And if I were just to sum up what Paul says, how Paul responds to that question, it's simply that God is the potter. That God is the creator and all of us are, in effect, God's creation. And really what it boils down to, according to the Apostle Paul, and this is super offensive to our generation, he's saying, well, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Now, isn't that offensive? I mean, like so often, I remember the first time I read that being like, are you kidding me? Like, who are you to talk to me that way? Because you kind of feel that way. Like, don't I deserve a little bit more than that? That the best you can give me in this big question of why is, who do you think you are? But you know what? We actually need to take a moment and let that land for a second. Because you know what the biggest problem our culture has is? Is everybody thinks that there's something that they're not. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do you know what the outcome of that was? The serpent said, you know what the problem is? God doesn't want you to eat of that because when you eat of it, you'll be like God. And you know what the big problem, know why all of us struggle with the why question today? Is we all have a little bit of a God complex. We think that we deserve the answers. We think that we are entitled to the answers. And if God doesn't give us the answers in the way that we think is sufficient, then there is no God. Or I don't like this God. Or I don't believe in God. But you know what the problem is? We're not God. Not one of us are. We are God's created ones. And God has no He's not under, it's, it's the same thing, like whether we like it or not, the president, whoever holds the office of the presidency, they don't have to respond to your phone call. Even though you're one of their constituents, they do not have to pick up the phone for you, right? Now, that makes us really aggravated. You could tweet at our current president, he's not going to tweet back at you unless you say something nice, right? Then you might get on his Twitter feed, right? And listen, 
I'm not even knocking them. I don't know anybody who, who tweets, who retweets somebody's negative stuff about them, right? And nobody does that on Facebook, even, even though you don't, can't retweet, right? But here's the thing. The president is under no obligation to have to respond to your communications. The boss of your company, under no obligation either, right? And any of us who've been parents along the way have said to our kids, you know what, that piece of information is not for you right now. Right? I got three of them. The number of times I say, listen, let's get to that later because there's things I want my kids to understand, but I don't want to explain it to them when they're five and 11 and 14. Now, if that's true in all of these different areas, how much more true is that as it relates to the holy and perfect God as it relates to his creation. And really what Paul is saying here on the big question of why, is saying you really have no right to even ask that. You can't even come at God with that. Because God is the potter. Now, all through the scripture, this picture is used. Like in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 16, Paul's referring to it here. Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say to him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding? See, really what it is, is that we have this propensity to believe that our vantage point and perspective is better than God's. Now, can we be honest? We all do that, right? Like sometimes we pray, we feel like we got to fill God in on all the details. As if the all-knowing, almighty one is a little bit in the dark. Right? So, I mean, there's sometimes I'm praying, I'll just be like, Lord, there's this thing, and there's this thing, and there's this thing, and Lord, you need to do this. And then finally, I'm just kind of like, you know what, Lord? You're really good at doing your job, and I have a pretty tough time being me. Right? Like, we have this tendency to think that God is in the dark about things. But really, what you realize is that the pot or the clay. Now, in this picture, and no analogy is perfect, but there's a lot of truth to it. The potter is the one with intelligence, and the clay is an inanimate object. The clay ultimately becomes whatever it is that the potter deems it to be. So if the potter wants to make a dish, he can make a dish. And if the potter wants to make a glorious vase or vase, depending on where you're from, she has absolute ability to do that. And in the same way, what Paul is saying here is that God is the potter. And because God is the potter, because God is the creator, the clay doesn't have to understand what the potter is doing for the potter to throw the pottery. It's like what Isaiah says, Isaiah 64, verse 8. Now, I think you might want to make sure you write this verse down, Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you our potter, and all we are the work of your hands. You, you want to really understand who you are? God is the father. We are the clay. He is the potter. And each one of us is the work of God's hands. And what you will learn is that when you 
realize that you are clay in the hands of the potter, the next step becomes, can you trust the artistry and the creative intent of the father? Now, here's the thing that I want to tell you. And this is the unique part of life that I think when the rubber meets the road for all of us is kind of a big thing is that all of us have been created by God and we're all being sustained by God. But for many of us at every step of the journey, we resist the desires of the potter. God has given us a will. So clay just gets molded however it wants to. But for humans, we can resist the will of God. So for many of us, really what goes on is we've been created by God and God sustains us. But along the way, we do not allow ourselves to be conformed into the things that the potter wants to do. Like, have you ever felt yourself say, no, Lord? Come on, we all have. Can you get an amen to that? Like where where something goes on and you're like, oh, no, 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 Lord. No, no, no. Thanks anyway. Right? And there's that old saying that, you know, that no Lord is an oxymoron. That if he's the Lord, you can't say no to him. Right? So here's the key. The key is to not only realize that he is the potter near the clay, but the key is every single day to submit yourself to whatever the potter wants to make. And for me, that's where the rubber meets the road of where discipleship happens, where transformation happens where God's spirit and we respond to the Lord when something goes on. And for those of us who have bigger mouths, so to speak, and the spirit of God says, and then you say, you know, those of us with big mouths know what that's like, right? In that moment, you are actually resisting the hands of the potter. You're fighting against exactly what God wants to do. When you go through something where you don't understand what's happening and you read in your Bible that that you walk by faith and not by sight, you say, God, I may not understand this, but I'm going to trust in your goodness. That is a way of us learning how to surrender to the, the reality and the intention of the potter that he knows what he's doing. I mean, you could imagine our Lord Jesus on that night before he was crucified in the garden of Gethsemane as he's sweating drops of blood. He's saying, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but yours be done. He's saying, if there's any other way to redeem humanity, God, I do not want this. This is going to be bad. And let alone the physical realities of it, the spiritual and the existential realities of the cross trump the physical pain, which would have been excruciating. But what does he do? He doesn't resist the hands of the potter, but he surrenders to it. Now listen, I don't know what you're going through today, but what I do know is that we're all really good at resisting the hands of the potter in daily life. What is he trying to work in you right now that you're just like, no, no, no. I call this being a slippery fish. Good. Now listen, I'm not a fisher of fish. I'm, I'm rather, I'd rather fish for people. But every time I've gone fishing for fish, I can catch a fish, but I can't hold on to that thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm that guy. I'm like a cartoon character. It's really pathetic. You pray for me. My neighbor John's like, we should go fishing. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you know, because I, I can't, I just can't catch that fish. It's like, <laughs> you know. And every time it happens, or I think about it, you know, 
I think to myself, that's exactly how many of us are with God. Where he's trying to do, he, he's, he knows what he's making. He knows what he's doing in you. His artistry is extraordinary. His creativity is beyond, it's matchless. Nobody is as creative as the creator God. And God is creating in each one of us unique things if we are willing to trust him and be the clay that just hangs on the wheel and say, okay, whatever you're making, let's do it. But the problem is, is we think we know what the potter wants to do. And what I'm learning with each passing day on my journey is that I know less and less of what the father is doing. What I do know is he wants to make me like Jesus and his ways of doing that are never the ways that I would have chosen. So my friends, listen, he's the potter. So on the big question, you have to say, God, I trust that you're the potter. I trust that you know what you're making here. And I trust that you know how to do it right. And almost all of us, we get in trouble when we stop trusting the potter, when we stop thinking he knows what he's doing, and when we start thinking we know better than God knows. He, we don't know better. We don't know better. So picking up in verse 21 says, does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel of, for honor and one for dishonor? Verse 22, what if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And so it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, the remnant shall, will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Okay. So if I was going to put all this under one heading, I would say it to you this way. That you and I, we need to learn how to embrace the mystery. You have to learn how to embrace the things that you don't understand, the mystery of it. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel shared in today's message that your life is like clay being molded by a potter. God is the one moving and shaping and creating in and through you, and you simply need to let him. However, Pastor Daniel also shared that many times people are resistant to the molding that needs to take place. They say no to new experiences or shut themselves off from God in the times of mystery. Remember, you can trust God always. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. 
Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at CrossroadsChurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel shares more about the trustworthiness of God's character. Throughout the Bible, God has orchestrated events to fit into his ultimate kingdom plan, even when it seems impossible or unexplainable to the limited mind of humankind. Pastor Daniel will remind you as well that God has a plan for you. He's going to work it out exactly as it needs to be. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Plot Twist. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.